This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Uh, plenty of threats, obviously. So how I said, they, they, they signed really well and, um, and they had already a really good team. They had unbelievable good team. We, we, we had to suffer a lot. Um, against them in the in, in the specific games, even the home game when we won, what was it, five three? So uh, yeah, we had difficult moments to to um, survive and all these kind of things. So that there's not only one threat. Um, Christian Pulisic um, obviously was not involved in squad. Maybe little little setback. I don't know, um, but he's probably fit for the next game. Mason Mount, then, um, then Kai Havertz, I know him really well um, from Germany, so he can play um, a proper and will play a proper role in, in the full season and maybe in the next game. There are so many good players up front there, the midfield and, and the defensive line, the fullbacks, all that stuff. There's, there's nothing, there's not a biggest threat. Chelsea itself is a threat, that's how it is in a football game. But again, we are as well, we, we, on a good day, we can cause problems for other teams and that's what our first concern is. Our, our first um, ideas of this game, but a few days to go, a few days to train, and then let's prepare as good as possible and, and try the best, like always. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Jurgen Klopp speaking ahead of uh, Liverpool's big game at Stamford Bridge this weekend. Oh, EPL is well and truly back. Great stuff. On the ball with me, Ross. Good Friday evening to you all. Uh, in the studio with me, we've got Des Corkill. Hello, Des. Always good to be here. We will, of course, talk Malaysian football later on as well, I'm sure, Ross. Of course we will. That's why we have you on. Bob Holmes is also here, eager to talk Malaysian football. Huh, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> but how we can... Hope we can squeeze squeeze a little bit of English Premier League in as well. We we might we might a little bit. There might be some time. Uh, Kishnan's here. He's ready to talk about just about anything and everything, aren't you, Kish? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing playing on my mind at the moment is Gareth Bale, Ross. Crazy stuff, yeah? We'll come to that in a few moments. As usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel, TFIF on Video. Give us a subscribe, please. Right, working our way towards the Gareth Bale news then. Uh, Spurs were in action early this morning. They were in Bulgaria where they... Beat 10 men, Lokomotiv Plovdiv. What a great name for a football club. Uh, 2-1. Jose Mourinho basically named a a very strong lineup. He made made a point to say that there was no other centre forward apart from Kane, so he had to play. Uh, so all all the big boys went. Uh, Della Ali was was left out. So there was a big question mark over that. But it was a good win, first of all, Bob Holmes, for Spurs away from home. Yes, uh, a necessary win, I feel. Um, Of course, this was a one-legged affair, and that is one of the reasons he picked a stronger side than usual. He said that himself. Probably as many as four players wouldn't have have played had had it been uh, two legs. Um, The reason for that, of course, is the cram fixture list and the need to get all this done as soon as possible. So uh, Spurs, yes. Fortunate, uh, ended up against only nine men, but I don't think there could have been too much argument about they, the... They uh, now have to go to Macedonia, golf. Bob. They now have to go to Macedonia for the next, next round. That's, that's some serious travelling. 
Yeah, um, they've got nine matches in 22 days. And, uh, it, you know, it's a tall order uh, for a side that's just coming back from a half-baked pre-season. I mean, we don't know whether you could call it a pre-season or, or a mere international break of sorts, you know. <laughs> and Mourinho has not been slow to complain about that. But, I mean, it is a valid point. And a lot of people were writing Spurs off just last weekend. I read two or three reports. Um, and they badly needed a lift. And they've got exactly that in yeah. Gareth Bale coming. And not only that, but the other guy, Regulon, yep. uh, I think is a bargain buy for $27 million, um, from Real Madrid. He was on loan with uh, Sevilla last season, won the Europa League, impressed everyone with his attacking play. Um, exactly what Spurs need. So um, this has been great news for Spurs, assuming the bail thing goes through without a hitch. Um, exactly what they need. And I think when you look at the lineup with those two names in it, it takes on a rather different look to what it was last week. It, it actually doesn't look bad. Look at the front three, Son, Kane and uh, Bale. Hmm wherever he's going to play. Not a bad trio. Not, not a bad trio at all. What, what, what do you reckon, though, uh, Des Corkill? Bill's in the twilight of his career now. Uh, he's, oh, well, the, the good thing is he actually looked keen for the move as well, which we haven't seen, perhaps, from other moves. Okay, let's take away the obscenity of the finances behind yeah. it, where he's being paid ridiculous amounts of money to play football. Shock horror. Spurs has to play nine matches. A football club has <laughs> to play football matches. What is the world coming to? And they've got to go abroad and travel the world to do it. Those poor, poor people. How does he cope on only £600,000 a week? Ah, oh, dear me, it's an obscene. Um, Macclesfield Town went bust for the sake of yeah, 500, for half 000. a million. Um, and we've just heard of Reggae being a bargain of 27 million. The obscenity is getting more and more apparent day after day, week after week. And I am going to carry on banging on about it. We'll get to the football in a minute. But the obscenity is something that must be shouted at and decried at every opportunity because it is killing football. Will Gareth Bale be a, a good sign? Yeah, he's a very, very good player. <laughs> good. good answer from Des there Positive answer from Des um, <laughs> Quiche Now Man United were in For the, the Real Madrid Left back Sergio Reggion um, There's a buyback clause that Madrid Wanted to insert that United weren't keen on So Spurs have edged ahead they, they've, well, They're both flying in Today for their Medicals so did United Lose out on a, on a player here Um <laughs> Here's the deal. Um, if if that, that buyback clause essentially converts the deal into somewhat of a loan deal in one way or another. Because Madrid obviously see the quality in him. Um, the only problem is that they've got Marcelo and they've got Ferland Mendy on their books at the moment. So they can't really find a space to slot him in. And at the same time, they don't know if they would need him a couple of years down the line because Ferland Mendy could easily just not be the player that he is at the moment. Um, anyone would struggle to have the kind of consistency that Marcelo had over the years. So it, it, it's smart on Madrid's end to want to do what they wanted to do, which is to put, a, to put that buyback clause and to have that first option on, on purchase matching the bids of any other club that want to buy him back. But from the point of view of Man United, I can see why that deal just didn't make sense. If Ole mm -hmm. wants to build a squad, 
for the long term. That left back position. He's a good player, though, right? He is, but what's the point of 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 bringing him in, building the side around him at left back, and then a couple of years down the line you just lose him, and it's it, that whole thing starts all over again at left back, which has been a problematic position for Man United. Luke Shaw has just been in and out of the team with injuries, uh, but but they've got the youngster there who's who has hasn't exact hasn't exactly done badly in that position as well. It's just a matter of. If you're going to bring in someone, a third left back in this case, it's got to be number one, someone who's exceptional, which Regulon probably is. But number two, it's got it's got to be for the long term as well. Like there's yeah. no point in bringing in someone for a couple of years and then Madrid just exercises that buyback clause and you lose him. But, so in that sense, I can understand it. But the the bail one is the difficult one uh, because you know obviously the story of him going back to Spurs as soon as that broke out, you know all these stories of the amount of times that Bale has been linked with Man United in the past. And, and you start to think if, if Bale coming back to Man United, if that should have been a move that, that, that Woodward should have made a couple of years ago or even this summer. Because to me, Bale will walk into this Tottenham side and he will improve them. Hmm. Um, if, if he regains the sort of motivation that made him you know, one of the most devastating wingers in world football, I think he can go into this first side and, 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 and do a job and... And from, from Spurs' point of view, um, they're obviously paying a large amount of money from his, uh, for his wages. Uh, but it, it, it looks like it won't, they won't, it won't cost any amount of money up front. Uh, it, it sounds like it could be a loan deal where Spurs just take on a large chunk of his wages. Which, which, which is a massive amount of money. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. We say this. It's, and, and it's ambition, more than Harry Kane gets. Yeah, the ambition <laughs> is for them to get more away days like Plovdiv away, where they will thereby complain that they've got to go to Plovdiv and then Macedonia. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous you circle see, that's ongoing. Yeah, you see the vicious circle. All right, <laughs> let's clear up some of the uh, midweek Carabao Cup second round matches. There were some shocks. Uh, Newcastle beat Blackburn 1-0. Ryan Fraser, a free signing from Bournemouth in the off-season, made his debut, scored for them. Looks like he could be a very useful addition. Bob Holmes, it's two wins for Steve Bruce now. Is he getting a nosebleed? Um, Nothing much to uh, uh, shout about, really, is that beating uh, Blackburn with all But he made 10 changes Uh, to the side. This is Newcastle, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, it, we said all along last season, Steve Bruce is doing a good job in difficult circumstances, yeah. and he continues to, to do so. I mean, he's a good guy. He's a good manager. He's never quite cut it with, uh, never had a chance at the so-called big six. Um, but he's a solid uh, guy. He can judge a player. And I think Fraser was a sensible signing, as most of his signings have been. Yeah. I think that Joe Linton being the, the, <laughs> the um, one out. exception, although I think that was before he was appointed, to be fair. That's, that's a good point. I think actually. he, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think he can even be blamed for that. I think. Uh, no, but let's face it, Joe Linton sensible. looked good when he came. I mean, he looked like he fit that number nine shirt, you know, physically. Well, he's one of the great flops of modern <laughs> Premier League history. Isn't Along he? with the he West did... Ham one, right? Um, Who was that? Remind me. Haller. Oh, Haller. Haller. But although he did. Yeah, I think he's worse. I think he's worse than Haller. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, Steve Bruce, okay. Yeah, he's um, he's doing a good job. I mean, I'd love to see Newcastle actually get somewhere this season. I wouldn't say win anything, but at least get to a semi-final or something. Mm. That would be 
you know, be good to see the, the Geordies rewarded for their faith. Well, their reward is an away uh, tie at Morecambe. Sorry, Keish, you were going to say something. No, can I just point out that in the, in the game against West Ham and in the game against Blackburn, all three goals that um, Newcastle have scored have come from three new signings. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Jeff Hendricks, Callum Wilson and Ryan Frazier. Yeah. And that's, that's always, always a good news for any club. All right, Let, let's just move on quickly and get rid of the uh, Carabao Cup. Uh, uh, contract extension, Des Corkill. Music to the ears of Aston Villa fans, boyhood Villa fan and captain Jack Grealish signing a five-year deal. Uh, immediately on our WhatsApp group, Craig Mariah said, I'm sure it has a relegation clause inserted in it. <laughs> but it's a good deal. Villa yeah, 1-3-1 at Burton as well. Yeah, even if it does, Jack Grealish is uh, staying at Aston Villa is great because you're not getting a monopoly of all the, the, the top, in inverted commas, players going to one club. So, uh, it's a bit more old school where the, where the top players are spread around the league. It's great for Villa. I think they made a really good signing as well in Martinez in goal. He's rock, yeah. rock, uh, rock solid steady. Um, and Villa, I think, may well have... Uh, benefited enormously from their late, late escape in the, in the league last year. Like Newcastle, they've gone and improved their team. I think it's, uh, there, there are a couple of very strong signings in, in key positions. And uh, for Villa fans, I, I wouldn't imagine that you'd have the same worries, not down to the last day of the season anyway, as you had last year. And uh, uh, Grealish celebrating with a, a really good volley. Did you it say from the edge of the penalty area, from a corner, really difficult technique to do. And uh, uh, that, that's, that will boost his confidence as well, that he's been talked up as being a good player. And then he goes and shows that on the day he re-signs for, for Villa, for whatever reasons. He, he said he was 50-50, he was going to go. But I think it's good news for the rest of the league. The good players aren't actually all heading over to, to the so-called, and I'm glad you called it so-called, Big Six. <laughs> um, Aston Villa are away to Bristol City in round three uh, Leeds United are out They lost 10-9-8 on penalties to, to Hull City um, Bielsa just doesn't do Carabao Cups He's been knocked out for the last two campaigns The big shock probably was Southampton nil Brentford 2 Quiche uh, South, Ralph Hasenhutl actually named 10 of the side that started in the Premier League So they're trying to get their season going. It was a statement that he expected a win. He did not expect a 2-0 home defeat. Yeah, um, but, but you could have seen it coming because there was, this, there was this really good piece that sort of analysed Southampton uh, post-project restart. Because if you remember last season as well, Southampton started the season really poorly. And then there was that 9-0 um, defeat to Leicester mm, at mm -hmm. home. Um, and they went through these bad patches of form before things started to work in favour of, of Hassan Hutel and things started to pick up. And that's when you had players like Danny Ings also pulling the strings up front, scoring goals consistently. But if you, if you remember, after Project Restart, towards the end of it, actually, they started dropping the ball again. There were, there, there were a few defeats. And, when you, and if you look at their form chart, they sort of peaked and then it dropped and they just have been dropping since then. Yeah. And the way that they were outplayed on match day one in the Premier League, I thought it was really uncharacteristic of a strong Hassan Hotel side, which is usually very disciplined, uh, very hardworking. And I just wonder, I mean, I just wonder if losing um, Hoiberg in midfield is, is a huge blow because he's really been the heartbeat of, of uh, Hassan Hotel's system over the last uh, one year point. or so. He yeah. works his socks off in the, at the heart of the midfield and they've lost him now. And, I, and I'm not sure if they have been able to replace him. 
adequately. And and the way they performed in match day one, um, and then they go into this game and play the way they did, um, it's it's not looking good for Southampton at the moment. All right. Uh, just to look forward to the Carabao Cup third round, then you've got Lincoln against Liverpool. You've got Luton against Man United. Fulham, Sheffield Wednesday. Man City versus Bournemouth. Chelsea, Barnsley. Leicester, Arsenal is a standout tie there. Leighton Orient against Tottenham. London Derby. Uh, that's, that's your Carabao Cup. We're done with that, right? We're going to start previewing match week two of the EPL right after the break. Brilliantly done. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wonderful control and superb execution. That's it. It's all over. This is a big win. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Lovely Friday evening. Des, Bob and Kish talking EPL. It's match week two. There's an early kickoff on Saturday. It's Everton against West Bromwich Albion. Now, Everton, um, they look good fun. In midweek, they beat Salford City 3-0 in the Carabao Cup. Um, Ancelotti actually rested James Rodriguez, Allen, Decoure, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So you expect they'll come back into the team uh, against West Brom. But what do you think of, about Everton this season, Des? Uh, there's a real good feel-good factor around Merseyside, the surrounding Everton, the talk of the new stadium, the, the new designs are out there, although uh, uh, one of the heritage sites have said they want to keep the derelict docks in rather than the, the brand new stadium. But no, uh, Carlo Ancelotti has been backed um, by a lot of money. I think they're, they're interesting signings. They might or might not work, but uh, certainly they've started well enough. Uh, James Rodriguez in his debut uh, was, was very impressive at Tottenham. Uh, there was a, a, a spirit about beating off a, a doughty Salford. Salford saw this as the biggest game in their, in their, um, in their journey as, as, as a football club and um, gave everything they possibly could. And Everton's second string saw them off fairly comfortably. There is a real feel-good factor about uh, Goodison Park. We've had them before, though, on multiple occasions. <laughs> but this one, this one just seems to have a, a few legs. You, you can see if uh, they get a few wins and they avoid injuries in key, key, uh, key positions, uh, that they, they have got a squad there in the Carlo Ancelotti that can certainly break into the top six, possibly top four. Yeah, Bob. James Rodriguez is obviously the big draw there, coming with a big reputation, a lot of money. He created the most chances out of anybody I was seeing the stats uh, on his debut, which was amazing. And you could see his passing was crisp. It was sharp. He looked turned on, didn't he? He did. He did. Um, I mean, there were some diagonal balls he played, which yeah. I don't think they've seen such things at Goodison for a very long time. <laughs> um, but he said he's got an interesting story. Um, I mean, you forget which World Cup it was where he actually made his name. It's quite a while ago. It was uh, 2000 and... Uh, I've got to check now. 14. <laughs> 14. Um, and he's... He's not done as well, anywhere near as well, as we thought. Uh, I mean, he was outstanding there. He scored one outstanding goal, which, and I've noticed this before, about players who are transferred seemingly on the basis of one phenomenal goal, and they often uh, flatter to deceive. Mm. And he's done that somewhat. He's played at two uh, major clubs, arguably two of the biggest clubs in Europe, and he's not delivered. Uh, Real Madrid 
and uh, Bayern Munich. But lucky for him, Ancelotti was at both and he saw something in him. Um, and uh, he's brought him to Everton, which would have taken a bit of persuading, I think. But Wonderful City, the, Liverpool, Bob. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I'm, talk, I'm talking Goodison. Yes. <laughs> um, I think uh, he, he went because of Ancelotti, obviously. Yeah. And um, he looks as if he realizes that he's now in his late 20s and he's got to deliver. And this is his big chance. If he doesn't do it here uh, for a club like Everton, which is rebuilding under a manager that likes him, he's never going to do it. So you've got that about him. And he certainly, he only played half the game, but he, um, he certainly grabbed the chance with both hands. Yeah. And I think he could very quickly become a favorite of, uh, at Goodison Park. Mm. He brings that, that silky smoothness, that class sometimes that's been lacking uh, for a year or two now. And um, it looks as if he could fit in with the, with the other midfielders. Absolutely, because I was just going to say... Ducouri. Yeah, Alan and Dukuri look very tidy and solid in the middle as well. All right, a little bit about their opponents, West Brom, uh, Keish. They were seriously outclassed by Leicester on, on opening weekend. They've shored up at the back, though. I understand Branislav Ivanovic has come in on a free from Zenit St. Petersburg. <laughs> See, I haven't had the time to look him up. I think he's about <laughs> 54 now. <laughs> I mean, Ross, um, yeah, it, need I say more, right? Like, if Ivanovic comes in with the, with the experience, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I think he comes in with bags yeah. of experience. Yeah. He's been a really consistent player over the years in the Premier League. Uh, my question is, um, is he past his best? And I happen to think he is because even to its the end of his Chelsea career, he was being caught out multiple times. And you're talking about him playing in a Chelsea side that attacks more than they defend. And now mm -hmm. he's going to be walking into a West Brom side that will face a lot of attacks over the course of the season. And I'm not sure if... Um, don't get me wrong, he might come in and do a decent job, but I'm not sure if he is the guy that's going to save them at the back and give them what they need to stay up. Because I've got a lot of doubts about this West Brom side. Um, I mean, Slavin Bilic is, is obviously a really uh, experienced manager as well. Um, and, and, and they did really well in the championship to, to get into the Premier League. But you, you look at the squad and, and, and barring a few names, like I like, I like Mateus Pereira a lot. Um, yeah. Still an attacking midfielder who, who is really creative. He creates a lot of chances. I um, mean, he, he showed a lot of flair as well. Um, I like him a lot, but you take him out of the equation and I can't think of many standout players in this West Brom side that's going to like step up and quite literally just keep them. It's the similar problem that I have with uh, Fulham as well. You, you look at that team and you take Mitrovic out of the equation and I can't think of who is going to sort of, you know, stand up and keep them yeah, up. Yeah, but, but the, the baggies have haven't even got a Mitrovic to take out of it. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, the, the, I, I fear for them this season, honestly. All right, it's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff early with your dinner, that one. Everton against West Brom. It's our first look at Manchester United this season. Uh, Sunday, late, uh, it's a late game on Saturday, so it's a half-past midnight kickoff. Man United take on Crystal Palace following a, a very short summer break. The two Manchester clubs uh, given uh, an extra week off because of their European exploits. Des Corkill, the only in for Man United ha uh, has been the, uh, the signing of Donny van de Beek from Ajax. 
gifted midfielder. I think everybody agrees that he's a talented player, but maybe not what Man United needed at the time. Well, Man United need talented players, don't they? I think <laughs> so. Uh, just just one comment on that. The absurdities of social media. He he, he did a little drag back piece of skill in uh, last Saturday, and uh, Twitter exploded. Van, uh, De Beek is the man for Manchester United. They lost one 0 to Aston Villa uh, <laughs> in, in the game, and so you're just seeing the sheer absurdities of people fawning over a little piece of inconsequential skill in an inconsequential uh, friendly match. And Man United, Man City in the rest time to make, up, make sure that they were fresh enough to, to play in the league, played friendlies, played football matches. I'm, I'm, I'm really confused <laughs> by what's going on at the moment. Man United, rest time, play two matches. Yeah, let's go for it. But uh, no, I, I think we saw enough progress uh, tail end of last year. And uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to suggest Man United are going to be a, a threat again this year. Uh, but the, the Greenwood distraction is a problem. We need to see if Marcus Rashford can continue his, his remarkable form um, and whether or not Pogba and Fernandez turn up to play. If they all gel together, somebody like the Beak uh, will have teammates to fit in around him. If they don't and he becomes the lone ranger, then, then, then there's a problem. It's never about one individual. It's all about the team. Um, for United, uh, is the team going to kick on from last year? Um, we'll find out. I don't think uh, this first test is a huge test because Palace look very limited. But I think we'll find out within the first 10 games or so for Man United if this is uh, a re regeneration under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, according to reports, Bob, a lot of uh, players have just started coming back. Fernandez literally returned this week after the birth uh, of his second child. But you, you think he'd slot straight into that midfield. Paul Pogba is recovering from COVID. Apparently, he's returned to training. Um, what, what do you think of United? This, there's a lot of talk still about Sanchez. They're pursuing this deal. They don't want to pay the money. Is there unrest? Is it, are they going to build from last season, you think? Well, it does look, and the way you've been talking on this program, we mentioned three players early on that United have missed out on. Four, if you include Gareth Bale, Regulon, uh, Sancho, and... Uh, the other guy, it'll come to me. Uh, Grealish. Grealish. <laughs> Grealish, yes. Yeah. They were interested, you know, that was, that was almost a done deal a few months ago, according to some reports. So there's four major players. I mean, how serious United were about these guys, um, only they know. But I, I do believe they're serious about Sancho because they haven't given up on him. And I think they were fairly serious about Grealish. Um, so is it, again, an example of Ed Woodward not being able to get guys over the line? Remember when he, um, David Moyes took over, they couldn't sign anybody, could they, until the last day, and they panicked. Um, it's it does smack of that a little bit. And I can see a little uncertainty among United fans when, they, when the, one by one, these so-called targets are going to other clubs or not being signed at all. Um, so there is that concern because United are nowhere near the full, uh, the full Monte. I mean, they improved, yes, almost single-handedly down to Fernandes. But there are big uh, rooms, a big amount of room for improvement in that side. Um, left back, I mean, uh, this Regulon guy, I, I mean, he, he should have been signed by United, even if it was short term, I feel. Because... 
you could have him for a season. Just imagine having a top guy like that, even mm -hmm. if you lost him at the end of the season. Okay, that, you've got a problem then the following season. But what about this season? I mean, football is instant, isn't it? Very instant. I mean, if you can solve a problem with an outstanding player in a key position for one entire season, you know, you're going to benefit in other areas of the park. And I think that would justify taking the risk on, hit, on losing him for the following season. So I do think United might be missing out here. And it could be that they're panicked into paying over the odds for Sancho just to show that, yes, we have signed somebody big. But Von, Von der Beek is a good player, and all that, but he's not a headline... Top. <laughs> well, it has been under Ed Woodward, and you could see it happening again. Yeah. Don't be surprised if they do sign Sancho for $100 million in the last couple of days of the window. Imagine if you're Ed Woodward's children asking for a pet. How long would you have to wait for that, eh? <laughs> eh, eh? <laughs> All right, a quick word, uh, very, going into the break, quick, quick word about, about uh, opponents' Crystal Palace here, Keish. We, we, we've seen that Roy Hodgson is trying to make it a younger palace this term. He's brought in uh, Eberichi Eze, who looked really good, actually, when he came on a little bit. They've still got Zaha, one-to-way Zaha, but credit to Wilfred Zaha. He's putting in 100% commitment when he plays. You can't fault him there, right? Yeah, no, I, I don't think you can ever fault him. Even last season as well. I know last season he really wanted to leave. He made it clear to the club as well that he wanted to leave. Um, Everton were reportedly in for him. But obviously, Everton eventually couldn't agree a fee with Palace and they went with with Alex Iwobi instead, and, and, and that forced uh, Zaha to stay. And, and I remember him coming out instantly after that and, and, and clarifying and saying, look, I, obviously I wanted to leave, but if I have to stay here, it doesn't mean that I'm going to sulk and try to force my way out. If I'm here, then I'm going to give all I can for this club. And that's exactly what he did last year. And that's exactly what he's doing this year. Uh, the difference is this year, I feel that he's got extra support in the form of Eberichi Eze, who, who, like you said, Ross, looked absolutely brilliant on match day one. And I think he's going to be He's going to be really, really good in the Premier League this season because he was absolutely standout for Queen's Park Rangers. Um, he, comes with, he comes in with, with that bit of flair. He's, he's got that high tempo, high energy about him. And, and he, he's one of those players that makes you, you know, stand out from your seat. He, he's a really exciting talent. But more importantly, they also have Bat Shuai up front. Don't forget, and Bat Shuai, when he's fit, when he's playing consistently, he can score goals. Um, and, and having players like that will only make Palace um, stronger. And I think, I mean, everyone is looking at this and saying that, yeah, Man United could get off to a good start. I, I think this could be really, really tricky for United. All right. Well, it's a half past midnight kickoff early Sunday morning. Man United versus Crystal Palace. Another very short break. Back right after this. But what a chance that was right on the stroke of our time. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Lovely football, speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us on the ball with me, Ross, as well as Bob Holmes, Des Corkill and Kishnan. You can tweet at BFM Radio. You can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Looking forward then to the weekend's match week two in the EPL. Arsenal looked like they were a lot of fun last weekend. They take on West Ham, 3 a.m. Sunday morning. The big news here, um, Des Corkill, is that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has signed Dating. And uh, he, he's an Arsenal player for three years. 
which was massive. They, they had to get him on side, right? Uh, I was hoping you weren't going to use the, uh, the, the obvious media hook for people to talk about <laughs> that thing. But yeah, it works so well on radio and, and TV. It's amazing, Des. Come on. <laughs> so, so he signed. He's, he's a very, very good player. Um, the goal he scored uh, the other day where he cut in, very similar to the one he scored in the uh, Community Shield against Liverpool, cut in on the right-hand side. Uh, he is a talisman. Um, but the big thing that uh, Mikel Arteta has done is he's got Arsenal organised with um, seeming players who had been written off. Xhaka looks a completely different player. Uh, the player I expected him to be, actually, under, under previous coaches. But Arsenal look organised. Um, Tierney coming in on the left of that, that, that centre three is, is, is a, a, not a call I, I would have seen, but uh, he clearly fits that role very nicely. So they're difficult to break down. That's objective number one be difficult to beat. And then you've got that little bit of stardust up front to help you pick up the 1-0 wins or make a, a tight 1-0, a 2-0. And that's where Aubameyang comes in. Lacazette will chip in. The youngsters will come in. And there's clearly a plan there. We, we've been looking at him in this, uh, in this group ever since the start of the, um, uh, the, the restart, Project Restart, that game against Man City, wondering whether or not Arteta has it. It looks like he does. They're very organised. They look like a football team. Yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, El Neni, everybody thought his career was over. But all right, uh, Arsenal's actually, Arteta and Arsenal have got a couple of tricky trips coming up to Liverpool and Man City. So it's imperative they win at home against West Ham. What can West Ham do here, Bob Holmes? I'm, I'm looking at the side, I'm looking at David Moyes. All right, they beat Charlton 3 0 in, in the uh, Carabao Cup in midweek. Um, He's Haller scored two, but he's going to revert to Mikel Antonio up front. Uh, he's the favourite for the first manager to be sacked, David Moyes, Bob Holmes is. Uh, he is. Um, not entirely his fault. I think that's partly down to the um, unpopularity of the owners, the crisis there. Um, they may panic and decide to get some sort of name in to replace David Moyes just to placate the fans. I mean, even the players have been on social media uh, complaining about um, certain things, certain uh, deals, notably the sale of their most promising player to mm -hmm. a rival, West Brom. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a very unhappy camp, uh, contrasting with Arsenal. You couldn't get two... Uh, camps with different moods prevailing across London here. I think this, is, uh, this has got a resounding home victory written all over it. I think if, if West Ham get away with anything less than a three-goal defeat, they'll be doing very well, quite honestly. Um, they're weak in most positions, and they bought very badly in recent years. That's partly uh, been down to Pellegrini, I think wrong choices uh, by Manuel Pellegrini. Um, they paid a very high price for that. Haller was bought by him for about 48 million or something. Um, but uh, at least David Moyes has found that Antonio is probably most effective up front. I mean, you're going to miss him at the back, but he is such a powerful figure and such a handful for any defense to deal with that he can get you a goal and I wouldn't be surprised if if West Ham managed to have a half decent season uh, if he doesn't get 20 goals 
I mean, he was banging them in at the end of last season because he is such a powerful presence there. Mm. He can head them. He can shoot with either foot. And, you know, he's a very underrated player. But in West Ham's circumstances of having a weak defence, you still have to wonder whether he should actually be up there or not helping out at the back. I mean, the guy can literally play in any position. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if the goalkeeper was ever injured and the substitute didn't come on or something, that it would be Antonio they'd give the gloves to. I mean, he is that kind of player. He's the James Milner sort of figure there at West Ham. Um, But uh, no, West Ham, I I would say they are prime candidates for the drop, quite honestly. Well, uh, a lot resting on the shoulders of Mikel Antonio. Arsenal versus West Ham is a Sunday 3 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Southampton versus Spurs, the early kickoff on Sunday, 7 p.m. kickoff. Kish, it's a matchup between two of Gareth Bale's former employers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and this is, I mean, it, it, it's, we spoke about Southampton earlier and, and the struggles earlier in the season and how it just doesn't look good for them at the moment. Um, Spurs, I thought, that showed glimpses of ability in against Everton here and there. It still looks like um, a, a classic Jose Mourinho side where they were sitting uh, very much on, the, on, on their back foot and looking to hit on, on counter-attacks. Um, but I, I don't know if, if they're going to be able to sort out the deals by this game, but it, it doesn't seem so, which means he's got to go with the existing crop of players that he has. Uh, but but when you compare, when you look at Southampton's situation at the moment, Spurs will obviously go into this one as uh, as favourites. What I really like about the Spurs side is actually the signings that they've made so far. When you take Regulon out of the picture, you take Bale out of the picture, just focus on the ones that they've brought in so far. Matt Doherty looked really good last week. There were multiple times, I mean, before the game, that we were reading all the stats about how he was one of the right backs with the most amount of touches in the opposition penalty box. And that's exactly what he was doing in that game, getting into the penalty box so often. Uh, I like Hoiberg a lot as well in midfield. And I think Southampton will struggle without him this season. So there, there's a couple of signings in that team um, that, that I really like. And I think this season will just be about trying to get the best out of players like, for example, Lo Celso, who mm. didn't exactly have a, a solid, consistent season last year under two different managers. But he's a great talent and you need to get the best out of Luchelso. It's also about getting the best out of one of your highest earners, Tengai and Dombele. Which, um, he, which, let's, which is happening slowly now, right? It is. He, he's caught against... Uh, uh, and and Jules even said nice night. things about him. Exactly, which was so uncharacteristic of him. Uh, but, but hopefully for Spurs, um, that, that Ndombele starts to kick in as well. And, and I have a feeling that with players like Hoiberg working, you know, doing that extra 120% of that defensive duty in midfield, it opens up the space for someone like Ndombele to just yeah. play that box-to-box role with a bit more freedom. And I, and I think if he can, can rediscover the form that made him one of the most highly sought-after midfielders in Europe, then I think Spurs could, could, could have a pretty decent squad. Okay. Uh, there's a lot's been made about Jose and his second season. He often delivers at everywhere he's been in his second season. But there is also a school of thought that, that's, that's thinking Jose Mourinho is at reaching the end of his sell-by date here. Because, I mean, if you, if you watch the documentary All or Nothing, you're thinking, what, what actually does he do there? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think Spurs have got Plovdiv in their sights once again for next year. That's, uh, that's the ambition that they have. Let's get over there and complain about the games. Um, so, they're a strong team. And Dembele is a, a, a great um, example of uh, the short uh, attention span of football these days. And Dembele came in as a, at the start of last year or the start of last season, whenever that was, years ago now. Uh, it, it, it seemed like a fantastic signing. And Tottenham fans were genuinely, genuinely looking, hey, this is a, this is a really good sign that we've got here. And we've got Lamala, we've got a little bit of skill, we've got Harry Kane up front. And the, the, there wasn't any of the negativity that suddenly kicked in when Tottenham didn't win the first 20 games on the bounce or so. So Ndombele, if he, if he can come through and be the potential, then Tottenham will be one of those inverted commas, big six contenders. Um, they have good players and Gareth Bale is a good player. Yeah. The, the, the good thing about English football now is it does seem to be getting a little bit more crowded, whatever the financial obscenities, it is a little bit more crowded up at the, up at the top ends and there are more clubs who I think you can say, hey, there, there is a chance at this stage of the season that they can kick on and do well and Tottenham are in that little, little group. Confident start, you never know, that can kick on. It's how you start because it can set the agenda for the rest of the season. So um, they are good players. Mourinho's a very, very good coach. He knows how to win things. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy that he plays negatively. Um, but, but yeah, don't write Mourinho off. Don't write Tottenham off. All right. It's also a massive game for Ralph Hassenhottel and Southampton. Sunday, 7 p.m. kickoff. That one, Southampton against Spurs. Final break, then when we get back, it's the big one this weekend. Stay tuned. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back, back uh, with Bob, with Des, with Keish. Um, of course, you can tweet us, you can follow us on social media, it's BFM Football. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, TFIF on Video. Chelsea versus Liverpool is the big tie of the weekend. It's a Sunday 11.30 uh, start. Bob, let's look at Chelsea first, because when we spoke last week, we, we never got to see them in action. They, were, they actually played on Monday. Uh, they, they won at Brighton. It was a winning start. We saw Kai Havertz. We saw uh, Timo Werner, and, and they looked good, didn't they? Um, Werner looked better than Havertz, but let's cut him some slack. I mean, uh, this is the first game in a strange season. Uh, they've come into a, another country. They've not been uh, acquainted with everybody yet. So I don't think you can expect a wonders right from the kickoff. Um, they, they only managed to field three of their new signings. Um, they're coming in uh, by the train load, it seems. Uh, they've still got to get a keeper, uh, which is the most important thing you would, you would think. And with Peter Cech as the director of football, it's a bit surprising, to say the least, that Chelsea have got themselves in such a mess over the keeper. Keeper yeah. <laughs> Arizabalaga to give him his full title was uh, everyone knows that he was the world's most expensive keeper when signed for 72 million pounds, but probably not that many realize that he was given a seven year contract at 195 K a week. Now 
Nice. I don't know where that is on the on the Des obscenity scale, but <laughs> I would high. imagine it's pretty high. He's fallen Incredible. off his chair, folks. <laughs> he's he's not even a half decent keeper. Yeah. What was behind that? I don't know. I think if it was horse racing, there'd be a steward's inquiry. <laughs> it, it really checking that all day. Yeah. Anyway, um, Chelsea have got a lot of work to do, despite. Uh, but do, do you do you think that they can challenge with the signings? Do you think that I mean they they have to put in some sort of challenge, right? Well, they're a decent players. I mean, on paper the players look okay, but how he's going to fit uh, ten or eleven full mm. international attacking players uh, into the side and keep them all happy? I mean, you've got to keep those guys from last season happy. Your Tammy Abrams, Hudson Odoi's. Mason Mounts, yeah. those guys, they will be upset if after their uh, great season last season, when they got into the Champions League, uh, if they are not included, um, they, they won't be very happy. And nor will these new signings, because they will also expect to start. So Frank Lampard, he could do with another, another competition to, <laughs> to field a team in. I mean, he's got so many. And yet... He's not solved the defensive crisis. He's brought in Thiago Silva, who, who was great, but the feeling in uh, Paris was that he's past his best. I mean, he, he will still bring some experience and class, but what about his legs? He's 35, yeah. and he's never played the Premier League before. The other guy that they've uh, brought in is, a, is not a full international. He's um, a uh, SAR. Uh, he's a um, French under-21 international, promising, but not that experienced. Um, and if they're expecting those two to be the two centre-backs, I think, I think he might be in for a bit of a shock. And uh, left-back, Chilwell, a good player, definitely a good player, very promising player and excellent going forward. But is he a great defender? Even mm. Leicester fans questioned his defensive abilities. I mean, he might be just an upgrade on Marco Alonso. So I don't think, despite a quarter of a uh, 250 million being spent, I don't think they've really solved the problems. All right. Well, Christian Pulisic apparently has a minor hamstring issue, so he's a doubt. Hakim Ziyech, Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva are working their way towards full fitness. They may or may not make the bench. As far as Liverpool is concerned, Big news is that uh, a deal has been agreed with Bayern Munich for 30 million euros to bring Spanish stroke Brazilian playmaker Thiago Alcantara over. Um, they've been chasing him. He clearly wanted to join the club. He, he likes the club style of play. This could be a very, very good marriage here, Des Corkill. A gifted player joining the champions of England. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, uh, I'm a credit to Michael Edwards for getting him for the price that, that he wanted. He, he wouldn't be bullied by, by Bayern Munich. And so, uh, again, the signings, this one kind of seems to fit in. If there was one thing Liverpool lack, it's, it's a little bit of creativity uh, in those tight games. Uh, a little cute five-yard pass into space and certainly there's, there's an option there. So the hard-running style will still continue and, um, uh, and Thiago Alcantara will, will add real value. To, to Liverpool, who haven't tweaked an awful lot. They've uh, gone same-same as last year, and as they proved uh, last week uh, against Leeds, when everyone was writing, everyone's writing Liverpool off 
Uh, even many non-Scouse Liverpool fans are saying, oh, Liverpool have got to make signings, otherwise they, they can't compete. Well, I think this is a good signing that just tweaks uh, a little bit. And there might be one more as well before the, the end of the, of the transfer window. So, uh, um, a very different um, style to Chelsea. I was beginning to like Chelsea because they were giving young players an opportunity. And Roman Abramovich says, I'm not going to spend big anymore. Then he goes and spends big and uh, <laughs> makes Chelsea unlikable again. So, um, uh, so Liverpool, it's, it's, a, it's a cute signing. It's a good signing. It'll be impossible to replicate last season for Liverpool again, I think. But um, it's a really good signing. Based on... I, yeah, sorry, Keish. No, can I just point out this? That there's Liverpool starting 11 against Leeds last week. Uh, when you add all the players up, it's more expensive than Chelsea starting 11. Yeah, and uh, Liverpool also sold uh, a, a vast amount more. So you, you do that. Uh, and Chelsea have a reputation for... Chelsea have that reputation in Europe as well for being able to bring in players and then selling them at a profit. Yeah, well, they haven't because you look at that, that old net spend league table and Chelsea are high up there and they've just spent half a billion pounds. Half a billion pounds in one transfer window. <laughs> after a don't, couple don't of, you, don't you after guys a couple see of summers of not spending? obscenity of this money. No, no I, I get it, Des. I get it. I'm, all I'm saying is that Liverpool aren't too innocent either. As a, business, as a business, all, Liverpool are all over all, the Premier League. It happens. So, as all a over business, Liverpool match income with expenditure. That is reasonable no, and sensible. Chelsea uh, spent for a couple of transfer windows. There's two transfer. They've just spent half a billion. Sorry, quarter of a billion two, pounds after two windows of no spending. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> oh, all right, all right. The, the little Des Kish tete-a-tetes will have to put on hold for a while. Just to stick on Liverpool a little bit here, Bob Holmes. Based on what we saw against Leeds last weekend, defensively, a bit, bit nonchalant. They, they just need to wake up, realize they're champions. People are going to be gunning for them every game and play accordingly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were uh, errors, which you don't normally see. Van Dijk, I don't think he made a mistake in his first 150 games. And then he, he makes uh, uh, one there uh, fairly casual. It was as if he was in a training a training match or something, um, and he was punished for it. It uh, has to happen. I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. I don't think Jurgen Klopp is. Um, he's still a great player, best centre-back in the world, uh, absolutely at his peak. Uh, Joe Gomez alongside, still a pretty good, solid international, can play it right back, as he did uh, part of the game. Uh, I don't think there's anything to panic about. And... Uh, I think what they're doing is rather what they is the template that they used to do in the great days of Shankly and Paisley. Mm. They tweak rather than change yeah. drastically. Yeah. They keep the bulk of the side, they keep the system, they keep the dressing room spirit, but they bring in a couple of new faces just to freshen up. Mm. And we were wondering about it, but now they've, uh, now they've got, uh, Tiago, I think he's absolutely brilliant signing, exactly what they needed. And uh, they, they could be another, uh, Ismail Assar, as, as Des mentioned, he, he could be in as well before the end of the window. Okay, very quickly, Keish, do you reckon Tiago coming in means Jorginho Wijnaldum might be on his way out? Because he's been linked to Barcelona, hasn't he? Yeah, I think in an ideal world, Klopp would like to keep him as well. And I think Having them both as an option uh, just strengthens Liverpool's uh, midfield and, and that would be great. But uh, from, from Wijnaldum's perspective, it's hard to say no to a club 
like Barcelona, especially when you know you've got a coach there who really, really values you from the Dutch national team. Um, and, 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 and Ronald Koeman wants to make Wijnaldum, uh, you know, build the, the whole Dutch, uh, build the whole uh, Barca site around players like him and Frankie de Jong at the moment. So uh, I can see this happening, but obviously Liverpool have got no reason to sell unless Barca match uh, the price that they demand. And from Barca's point of view, because of La Liga rules, they can't buy players without offloading existing ones. It's the same reason they haven't been able to confirm Depay signing because they haven't been able to offload Suarez at the moment. And mm-hmm. if they want to bring in someone like Wijnaldum, they need to offload more players in midfield. All right. Uh, it is the big tie of the weekend. Then Chelsea versus Liverpool is a Sunday, 11.30 p.m. kickoff. Uh, some of the other ties we, we didn't mention because we're running out of time. Leeds play Fulham at 10 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Newcastle take on Brighton Sunday, 9 p.m. Leicester versus Burnley is your 2 a.m. Monday kickoff. And then there are two matches Monday night, Tuesday morning. Villa's first game. Against Sheffield United at home and Wolves against Man City. They did the double over City last season. Uh, that's it. We're out of time for now. I'm going to say thank you to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the football. Indeed. Uh, Des, you want to say something about Malaysian football? What's the big tie this weekend? It's JDT Slangor, isn't it? Yeah, we've got Jordal Taksim versus Solanga in the CIMB League of Super Malaysia. Last real opportunity for the rest to actually try and close the six-point gap that Johor have at the top. Victory for Johor here. There'll be nine points clear with just three matches remaining. So, uh, uh, important for the league, I think, that Solanga really turn, turn up and turn uh, in a really good performance. Johor, though, have been just like a juggernaut. They won at Trungganu last week, having beaten Perak by 7-0 the, the week before. Uh, so, it's up to Solango and the rest to catch up to the standards that JDT is setting. But that's on Unify TV and Unify YouTube, all six matches this weekend, including Keda versus Saba on Monday. Brilliant stuff. Many thanks, says Corkill. And thank you as well, Kish. Cheers, guys. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Back on Monday. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.